challenging week. We have something that what we call Rush Week. And so out on campuses, we're going to be using these shirts. This is a boost. It says boost on it, boost student ministries. And on the back of it, it says transforming lives. And it says the names of the different junior colleges and colleges that we have in our area here. And so we're starting out here Rush Week and and our college students. We've gathered, we ordered 2,500 church invites just to pass out for the first week of school. So 2,500 invites just for the first week of school because we want to go out there on every campus and have Bible discussions and help people and invite people to church and get them out here. So we're really passionate about helping people to get involved and come to church. Like the video said, like we take time every week. We take time every week and we carve out time to come to church. During rush week, every single night of the week, we are going to be doing an activity on Monday night. We're going to be meeting at Citrus Junior College. We're going to have Capture the Flag. Tuesday night, we're going to be right in the back over here. We're going to have Boost, and it's going to be amazing. We're going to have lessons. It's going to change our lives. Then Wednesday, we're going to be going and playing volleyball and having a barbecue at Mount Sac. Thursday night, we're going to go play pickup sticks, which is like where you run and slide on a slip and slide. We're going to be throwing water balloons at each other. And then um, on Friday morning, we're going to leave for a three-night camping trip to Sequoia National Forest. It's a busy week. We're coming up on what we call Rush Week. And uh, so uh, on Friday night, we went out and we had an all-night prayer night that was student-led and student-run. I want to read what I wrote here. I tweeted this on Friday night, and this was about at midnight. At a college-led and student-driven all-night prayer night, I'm so impressed with everyone who is here and the convictions being shared. I was there at this prayer night. I got there at 11 o'clock, and at 9.30, I wanted to go to sleep. And at 11 o'clock, I show up at the prayer night, and I'm like dragging in. And then all of a sudden, I was super engaged. We were singing songs. We were li- I was listening to college students sharing about their lives and their convictions. And then we would go out and pray. And so it was an incredible time uh, to be able to go out there on Friday night. And they stayed out there until 4.15. I departed at 2 a.m. And so I uh, went home to, to go to sleep. So um, this week, Rush Week, is going to be awesome. College students... We'd really love for you guys, if you don't have one of these shirts, they're $10. Uh, if you get baptized, they're free. I'm not trying to give you, like, you know, false motives or anything like that. But I just want to let you know that if you get baptized, you get a free one. Um, so that's Rush Week. And I'm going to tell you guys something that I don't know if I'm supposed to be communicating or not. Because in September, we're going to roll something out for you guys that's actually going to happen in middle of October. We're doing a lot of great things in our church. There's these things. We're out there sharing our faith. We want to double the size of this auditorium and double the size of the parking lot. The way we're going to do that is we're going to have two services on Sunday. So we want to roll out having an evening service. And so I'm really personally excited about that. It's like doubling our facilities that we have because we want to maximize the opportunity here because we as church leaders, as a church staff, we have a tendency to want to fill up these seats. And we have a tendency to want to create more seats and fill those seats up as well. Because we like building environments. We like building uh, platforms. We like building and just things that we can bring people to and help them to sit in front of Jesus. And so I have to tell you something, though. Right now, sitting in rows is not the win. And that's what my lesson today, Bridging the Gap, is all about. That you guys sitting here in rows, as much as I appreciate you coming. And if you're a guest here today, it's great to have you. Thank you so much for coming. It's great to have you guys here if you're here for the first time. You came to sit in a row. But sitting in rows, that's actually not the big win. 
that's not, that's not the end goal that we have in mind. Though sometimes as a church leader, as a church staff person, that could become my goal. Or even if you're just attending church and you're leading your family, sometimes it becomes all about, we just got to get to church. We just have to get in there. We just, if I could just pull in the church parking lot on Sunday, then I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But I have something to tell you here today, and some of you might like this. God doesn't take attendance. On the back of our newsletter, it has attendance. Our church staff, we take attendance. But you know what? God is not here taking attendance. And for some people, it's like, amen. They're like, I don't even know what amen means, but they're like, amen. You know, I'm really glad. You know, because you may have been raised in a family that went to church all the time. You may have been raised in a family where, like, you went to church every single Sunday. And your dad, your dad took you to church, made sure you were there every Sunday. But then Monday through Saturday, it was difficult to impossible to find any evidence that you had even gone to church. And the way that you had led your life. But you were at church every single Sunday. For my family, we went, like, twice a year. And so in between those months where we didn't go, it was very difficult to find anything that resembled the fact that we had attended church. So you guys know what it's like to be in a family. You guys know what it's like to be around people that go to church. But there's no evidence of Jesus being in their lives. So I know that for me as a leader, I really like building environments. I really like building platforms. I talk about building platforms a lot. Can I have someone change the slide for me? Pete? Technical difficulty. I like building environments, platforms, services, and events. I like doing that. I like filling out these seats. I like it when they're standing room only. I like it if we had to get more chairs in the back and fill them up. But in reality, that's what it, it, it's not all about that. God is not taking attendance. Next slide, please. The big idea is becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's the big idea. So that's, I'm letting you know right now, it's not about you sitting in rows. And sitting in rows is not the big idea. It's part of the idea. It's part of the part of the big idea. But it's not the big idea. The big idea is not just, did I pull in the church parking lot today? Did I make it to be able to sing the song, to hear the prayer, to hear the lesson, and sit in front of Jesus' word? That's part of it. You need that, but that's not all of it. Can I hit the next? Listening and learning. When you guys come to church, you're listening and you're learning. You're listening and you're learning. But it doesn't mean anything if we listen and learn and walk away from church the same people that we came. Next slide, please. So let me go into this scripture here. I'm going to show you what Jesus says. It's really important in Matthew chapter 7, if you guys have your Bibles or you can uh, open your iPhone application, version, whatever you guys use, and scroll down to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. It says there, therefore everyone, who is everyone? Everyone, ta-da, this is you guys. You guys are everyone. You are everyone. Okay, you are someone who hears. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. So everyone who actually hears the word of God, those people who hear God's word, that's everyone who sits in rows. That's people who are sitting and listening to the word of God. Those individuals are people who are churchgoers and at church. And that applies to all of us who are here today. Can I hit the next slide, please? 
people who sit in rows. Okay? So you might be here today, and I appreciate you coming. I appreciate you taking notes. I appreciate you trying to be here, be here on time, pull into the church parking lot. But Jesus is going to tell something here that's really impacting. He's going to give us a great analogy of building, a very common passage of scripture that I personally like. And I do it basically with someone when I study the Bible for the first time, because it's not about just coming to church and sitting in rows. Can I go to the next slide, please? Here's is you. Here's is you. Not here's you, but here's is you. Okay, all the hearers. Okay, here's is you. Here's is churchgoers. Next slide, please. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Here's practice. Here's practice. Here's practice. So when you hear the word of God and then you go and put the word of God into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Okay, so that's like, that's kind of like a lot of us who have gone to church. We know this scripture. We know about that. But this is the solution. This is the solution to our problem of not just being a churchgoer, not just walking into church and thinking something magically and mystically is going to happen by the fact that I walked through those doors and I sang a song. But when we practice the word of God. Can I have the next slide, please? Right here, you're going to see I'm there in Mexico, and I'm standing on a foundation. I'm standing on a slab. And this slab, this is an incredible project, what we're doing down there. We companied and we supported what we did as a church is we supported the work being done by Dora Faith Orphanage in Mexico, in La Misión, Mexico. And there, what they do in this little tiny town, this, this small orphanage, what they're doing is they're building homes and giving homes away. They're giving homes away to the people of this valley. They're giving homes away to people that are in need in this valley. And all the family has to do is build a slab. And so the slab that I'm standing on there, it was a slab that was done, but it was done poorly. And if you take a look, you can see that the edge of the cement is kind of like falling off. And not only is it falling off, but it wasn't even done appropriately the first time. Like you could tell that there was cement added and it wasn't level. And so really this wasn't a well-done slab. And so what our job was, you could see that the, the wood that was laying there, we had to lay out and build another slab on top of it and build it bigger. So what the Bible tells us, when we hear the word of God and put it into practice, we're like a wise man who built on a good foundation. We built on a good foundation when we put the word of God into practice. But then he goes on, he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came down, and the floods came up, and that house fell with a great crash. The first house, it didn't fall when the rain came down and the floods came up. It, it stood solid because it was built on a solid foundation. But everyone who hears and does not practice is like a man who builds on a terrible foundation. A terrible foundation. So those people are churchgoers also. Those people sat in rows. Those people are you if you're not putting the word of God into practice in your life. So coming to church is not the big win. It's not just to hear the word of God. You know, sometimes, you know, teens, you could think that just being here is the end goal. 
that you go to church and now you're a church goer. As a family, leading a family, sometimes we think that, you know, if we could just somehow get our kids into the building, that somehow now they're going to have faith. Now their lives are going to be different. But it's not just about hearing the word of God and sitting underneath or in front of Jesus' teachings. So Jesus is giving this lesson to his disciples. Here's Jesus. And he's like, Peter, thanks for taking notes. John, I'm following you on Twitter. Thanks for the mention. Appreciate that. You know, some of you guys Twitter during service. Okay, I, I tweet during service. <laughs> I tweet during service. And when I tweet during service, I'm, I sit in a lesson and I'm like trying to say something that I might be able to tweet. Please say something that I might be able to tweet. And then I'm like, there it is. And I'm like texting it in. I tweeted out. So, you know, everyone knows I'm in church because, you know, I just tweeted something from Peter Garcia and I put it out there. You know, and then on the way back, you know, you kind of get distracted and check the surf report on the way back to the Bible application. And, you know, I know you guys do that, right? Check in, just clear out the old emails on the way back over, you know. So Jesus is like, hey, I appreciate you're here. I appreciate you gave me the mention on Twitter. I appreciate that you're taking notes. But if you hear this and don't do anything with it, if you hear this lesson and don't practice, if you hear this lesson and don't apply it, then you're like a foolish man. You're a fool. You built on a poor foundation. So even if you believed, even if you came in today and you believed what I told you, you know, I I told you there's a problem, I told you this, that, if you heard that, you're like, I believe the word of God. I believe what the, the Bible says right there. If you heard it and you believed it, if you heard it and you hear this word a lot, convicted. If you're convicted by it. You know, you talk to someone, you go to lunch afterwards, or you talk to someone about church service, and they're, they're like, yeah, I was just so convicted. Yeah, how was, how was the lesson by so-and-so? Oh, it was convicting. Convicting. So convicted. So convicted. But, okay, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do? Do? What am I going to do? I don't know. I was just convicted. <laughs> convicted. Or new word that, that I like to use a lot is resonate. Oh, it really resonated with me. It resonated deep. Resonated deep, you know. Resonated is like when you have to like stand up. When someone stands up, when they clap, when they laugh, when they cry, when they say something. I mean, for, for, if you're guessing here today, I'm going to tell you, when something resonates, you might be sitting next to someone and they're like, Amen. That means it resonated with them. That's like the Tennessee, Florida you know, influence in California. And you're like, dude, this guy's not even from Tennessee. And he's like, sounds like he's from the South or something, you know, or maybe they're going to go, you know, and they're making sounds and you're like, whoa, dude, you're like, do you do that in conversations with your wife also? Mm." When they say something, you're in a phone conversation and someone goes off like that. Or I don't, I don't know. Some, you might be sitting here and go, come on. You guys hear that one also? You know, I'll, I'll try not to go too deep because there's so many that people say things that we don't say in conversations. We don't walk around and say that stuff. It's so funny. So now we try to say that stuff to each other because we just think it's funny. But really, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, uh, some of my friends and I, we're, we're trying to interject new words that are not being used that are more appropriate to our age and culture. And so we're trying to, like, replace words like amen with totally Totally. Okay. So if you agree with me today, you can say, I agree. And then you can say, I second that. Or you can say, totally. 
totally. Dude. Instead of going, mm, you could go, dude. You have to say it like that, though. Or, like, if something is like, you don't even understand, you go, what? What? Okay, so if you hear the word of God and you said something, you even said something. So you believed it, you were convicted by it, you even said, mmm. And after you said that, then guess what? You said totally. And, but if you didn't go and do anything with it, if you didn't leave here and apply it, then we're not practicing, we're not doing. And if we're not practicing and we're not doing, we're just hearers. We're just sitting in rows. We're just sitting here. And what happens at the end of the day when the rain comes up and, and when the floods come, when the rain comes down, it's going to fall with a great crash. It falls with a great crash. Some of you guys have been on movie sets where you see the set is set up and you walk in, it looks like a hotel lobby. You're like, dude, this is like marble finish and it's amazing. And then you step through the other side and it's just like, it's just like, you know, held up. It's just a facade. It's just a facade, and no one wants our construction being a facade in our homes that we're living in. When we were building those homes in Mexico, those are solid houses that are being constructed. You'll see, I have a video at the end, you guys. So if you stay with me, if you stay with me at the end, I have a video. It's going to show you what happened in Mexico. But some of us, some of you, have crashed already in your lives. Some of you have already seen major crashes in your life. And I became a disciple, a follower of Jesus, when I was 20 years old. And I had seen some major crashes already. And in my life as a Christian, I think I've seen some crashes as well. So just because I became a Christian doesn't mean that I've saved myself from all the crashes. Some of you guys have crashed in here today, financially, in your marriage, morally. Some of you as parents are crashing with your kids. You're crashing in your relationship with your kids. Some of us in here today have crashed with our bodies, with our health, because we didn't listen to sound principles and sound direction given from the scriptures. And many of us have discovered today through our own personal crashes and through observing the crashes of other people that we've discovered this principle already, that what we need to do is listen to the word of God and to put it into practice, to listen and learn and then practice Listen and learn. Because when we come to church, we gather information and we gather insights. That's great. That's a part of it. Coming to church, inviting 2,500 people in one week to come to church, that's part of it. Getting them there is part of it. But it's not the end of all ends. The end is getting people to practice. That means to do, to apply. I love being a part of, of our campus ministry. Our campus ministry on Tuesday night, the environment we build, we invite people and we call it boost. We call it boost because we wanted to boost people's faith. We wanted to boost the, the faith of our, our college Christians. And we want to bring people and say, hey, come to this environment. It's called boost. It's awesome. So working with student ministries, whether it's high school, I went to teen camp uh, a couple weeks ago. That was an amazing opportunity. And, you know, 600 teens are there. Being there is great because this is pre-crash. This is pre-crash intervention, okay? Right here you see a lifeguard. You think lifeguards like just kick back, they got their feet up, they're kind of leaning back in their chair. You know, that was one part I hated about lifeguarding is sitting in the tower and doing nothing. My favorite part about lifeguarding was not pulling someone with a broken neck out of the water. Okay, I did that. I, broke, I pulled people out of the water who had broken their necks. Okay, like a 300-pound dude this one time. It was crazy. And there's like thousands of people on the beach and, and I pulled them out. You know what? Sometimes we go to get help at church or we start to look into the Bible once we've broken our neck. 
We wait till the crash happens. So the marriage is falling apart and you get together. You call Peter Garcia, bro, you really need to help me with my son. You know, he, he's just really getting out there. You got to help me. You got to get in there, Peter. Peter, you got to send someone to help me. What am I going to give you a half hour? Is my half hour or my 45 minute slot, my hour when I get with you for an hour, am I going to fix your crash? Am I going to fix your broken neck? In lifeguarding, my favorite position in lifeguarding was called Rover. And Rover, what we would do is there would be thousands of people on the beach and thousands of people in the water. And you get to basically walk along the shoreline and then go out and swim out and save people that are in rips, save people that look like they don't know what they're doing. And you go and, and you preventatively go up to somebody like, hey, I'm, yeah, you kind of like look like you don't know what you're doing. So can I help you? Please go over here. Can you stand in like knee deep water? You know, and you'd like go over and ask people, which in some ways people get super offended, to be honest with you. It's my favorite position. You're saving people from crashing. You're saving people before the accident happens. That's what student ministry is. That's what I love about that group right there. That's what I love about that group right there. Is you know what? They haven't had as many crashes as I've had. I've crashed more times than they've crashed. Not because they're smarter than me, but because, which some of them probably are smarter than me, but, but because I'm simply older. And as we get older, we experience more crashes. Can I get the next slide, please? So you get the chance to get it right the first time. So I want to tell you guys that right now. For students that are in here today, guys, you get the chance to get it right on the first try. You guys don't have to wait to get it wrong six times. You guys get to get it right the first time. And that's a great opportunity. So can I get the next slide? Let's go ahead and make a decision right now that we're going to apply the word of God. Right here, this is an enormous jump for snow skiing or snowboarding. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. Um, but like just type in huge kicker. Okay. On the internet, huge kicker. If you type just kicker, you're going to get audio stuff, but type huge kicker and you're going to get a jump like this one. There's a gentleman standing there. Can you guys see the gentleman? Okay. Yeah. There's a gentleman standing there. That's an enormous jump right there. That's probably like, if you look at the top of where like the monster thing is for sure, the guys are like 35 feet in the air. If you're jumping off this, you're going to be 35 feet in the air and you're going to probably fly the distance of at least 100 feet, maybe 90 feet, maybe 110 feet. But depends on how far down on the transition that you land. So you're stepping up and then going down like you're you're stepping down. The landing is way below where you're taking off. It's really amazing. And uh, I don't know how many of you guys like snowboarding and skiing. Who here hits big jumps, big kickers? Okay. All right. So that's like nobody in here today. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so this maybe is like a totally irrelevant, like illustration that I've come up with here. Um, but the amazing thing about this is you can watch other people do it and then you learn from what they're doing. Like you watch where they start out and you go, OK, he made it clearly onto the landing. And as he made it clearly onto the landing, that's where he started. So then you imitate that and you kind of check it out. You do a check to, you know, you check out the takeoff, you check out the landing but if someone goes down and then they totally did not land on the landing, they landed in the flat spot, okay, meaning that they cased it is what you say. They cased it hard. Like if, that, if someone went too slow, they didn't make it on the transition, you land, you're falling like 40 feet on the flat land, it hurts really bad. Basically, you just explode. You land on the ground and it makes your knees explode. It's, it, you die. It just hurts so bad, okay? And so 
If someone cased it really bad and they didn't make it onto the transition, then you know what? You don't start from the same place they did. You start from further up and get more speed. So that's the great thing about student ministry is you guys, you guys get the opportunity to watch when I crash and go, okay, that caused a crash. Then what that's going to do is mean that I'm not going to start right there. I'm going to start further back up. And so I want to tell you guys, nobody likes crashing. Do you like crashing? Do you want to crash your finances? Do you want to crash your marriage? No, none of us want to crash. So what we need to do is we need to do. We need to apply. And it's not about just showing up to church. Can I have someone change the slide? I, I want to apologize for the technical difficulty this morning. This is ridiculous. This is insane right now. I'm like, I've switched devices here trying to like make this happen. This is crazy. Okay, so we want to hear and we want to practice. We want to hear the word of God and put it into practice. Next slide. Hearing and doing are what make the difference. So that's really the solution here today is hearing the word of God and doing. But I'm going to give you I'm going to take it even further because it's not just about doing because sometimes we say we're going to do and we don't end up doing it. Next slide, please. Okay. Anyone ever here buy any exercise equipment? I know Pete Garcia, huge exercise fanatic. He's an exercise buff. He loves it. Anyone? That's the Bowflex in the background. You guys remember the Bowflex? I looked it up online yesterday. They sell for like $3,000. It's like an industry. There's like just really high level Bowflexes. And that's a treadmill right there. And some of you guys may have those. And I don't know if these items, when you guys installed them, if your husband brought that upstairs, he was like sweating. He was like installing it. He's like uh, putting it together. And after he put it together, he felt so accomplished. Like he did all that he needed to do in order to make that happen. And he's sweating. He's like, you know what, honey? Do I look more fit now that I've installed my equipment? Do I look better? Am I more fit? I did sweat a little bit, you know, so maybe I'm, I'm in better shape now than I was before. Next slide, please. But in reality, until you start practicing, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, that's right. That's a slice right there. Cannondale slice. Try bike. That thing looks fast. Okay, I'll get it and be like, honey, do I look faster standing next to this bike? No, you don't get faster until you start practicing. Next slide, please. Let's look at James, the brother of Jesus. He is the brother of Jesus. He believed Jesus. Imagine if your brother said, hey, yeah, I'm the Messiah. James becomes a follower of Jesus. He becomes a disciple. We have it recorded. It's amazing what we see here. James chapter 1. Next slide, please. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Listen, deceive. It's possible to come to church and to leave deceived. It's possible to come to church and listen, to sit in front of the Word of God. How did he know that? How did he know that the Word of God can sometimes deceive us? How did we, what did you mean, James? What are you talking about? This dynamic exists. It existed back then, and it exists even today in our churches, in our families, in ourselves, that we can get deceived by just listening to the Word of God. Next slide. 2,000 years ago and today, we have this tendency. Next slide, please. That we, we clump church with this. That we think that when we pull in the parking lot, that something magically and mystically is going to happen in our lives. That when we walk through the doors, I sang a song. I said, mmm, in church service. That you think something magically and mystically is going to happen by just sitting in front of the Word of God. 
but you can be deceived. Next slide, please. You know, some of us come to church and we like to feel guilty. We like to come to church. I mean, I'm not one like that. I know I personally, I hate feeling guilty. I have like a sensitive conscience and I have a tendency to feel guilty and not want to feel guilty. I'm like, dude, I hate it when I feel guilty. But some of us have equated this guilt feeling. Here's guilt and the guiltier I feel that somehow that equates with now I'm closer to God. Like if I can just get super convicted and see my inadequacy and become aware of my faults and my things I need to change, that that's what I need to do is just come to church and feel terrible about myself. And then once I feel guilty, I'm really spiritual. We've equated feeling badly about ourselves or a feeling. We've equated a feeling with spirituality. Next slide, please. So heard and felt doesn't mean anything yet. So if you heard something, that's great. If you felt something, that's great. But we need to go and put it into practice. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Do. That's a very important word. Do what it says. Next slide. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and... Next slide, please. After looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. This is an incredible analogy where James gives us and he shows us that that there's this analogy that he shows us. We would never do what he's saying. We would never stand in front of a mirror and walk away and forget what we look like. That standing or sitting in front of the word of God, walking away and doing nothing about what you just heard, that you've become aware of the need that you have to change, that you have a need for God, you have a need to do something and not doing something about it is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like, that he's done nothing about it. Next slide, please. Here's a bucket of water that probably in their day they, they looked into a bucket of water or a, a piece of pottery that contained water. And they would, they would look down into a still bucket of water. And that was the reflection that they knew of themselves. That was, that was all they knew. They didn't have the mirrors like we have today. Maybe they had a polished piece of bronze that wasn't even machine polished. It was like hand polished. You know, how, how shiny is that going to get by just hand polishing a piece of brass or bronze? Not very shiny. They, they went through their whole lives not really knowing what they look like. But for us today, this is extremely relevant because we have mirrors and every one of us looked in a mirror today before we came here. Didn't we? Did you wake up and walk in the bathroom and look in the mirror today? You did. Next slide, please. So this is extremely, uh, extremely relevant to be aware and then to do nothing about it. We don't, we don't get any credit for being aware. Next slide, please. And hit it again. Before you leave the mirror in the morning, when you guys went in front of the mirror, when you got up, you went into the bathroom, you saw what was going on, you're looking a little bit closer, you're like, wow, that is an enormous booger hanging out of my nose. You're like, I could even feel it. I can feel it without even like touching my face. Like, man, that thing is hanging out of there. And then you turn around and head out to church. And you didn't take it out. You just left it there. And you showed up at church 
Or you showed up at work, you know, and someone's like, dude, he's got a booger hanging out of his nose. You're like, dude, should I tell him? And then after the second or third day, someone's like, dude, you got a booger hanging out of your nose. You got to take that thing out of there. You know, you wouldn't do that. You look in the mirror. You would never leave it there. You would never leave something there. You stand in front of the mirror until things change. Right. You walk in there and you look at like what's going on and you're like, this has got to change. I got to put some makeup on for the ladies. The ladies look really close to adding makeup. Us guys, we shave our faces. We kind of like fix our hair. Even my hair. My hair's super short. But when I don't look in the mirror and I go take my kids to school and I come back and I'm like, oh, dude. I'm like, my hair is like flat on one side. That's really interesting. Okay. Uh, Can you press the slide again? Except when you're under 12 years old. Under 12 years old, it's just like they don't care. They don't care. They're like, you know, I remember those days. I totally remember that. And I kind of like envy them in that way. It's just like, it doesn't matter. They go with their hair everywhere. You know, they spend the night at a friend's house. They wear the same clothes that day. And then, you know, the parents like, so what are you going to wear tomorrow? He's like, the same clothes I'm wearing today. Like, what, why are we talking about this? Next slide, please. But James says to sit in front of the teaching of God, becoming aware of your need to change. Next slide. These things that you need to change your heart, that you need to change your relationship, that you need to change a habit you have, an addiction you have, that you need to confess something to your parents or confess something to someone who can help you, that, that you need to make an apology to someone or you need to ask or give forgiveness. To stand in front of the Word of God and recognize your need for those things and to do nothing about it, that you're deceiving yourselves. Next slide, please. James relates that to something that you would never do. He relates you standing in front of the Word of God and not changing what you found out and become aware that you need to change to walking in front of the mirror every day, standing there, and then turning around and walking away and doing nothing about what you see. Next slide, please. You get no credit for checking and doing nothing. You get no credit for checking and doing nothing. You wouldn't go into work and you have stuff hanging off your face and eye boogers and your hair's everywhere and you have no makeup on, you haven't shaved. You get no credit for just checking. Someone's like, hey, dude, what's going on with you, man? And you're like, I looked in the mirror today, okay? But you didn't do anything, dude. Go fix it. Go, get, go, go stand in front of the mirror again and do something about it. You would get no credit for just checking and doing nothing. Next slide, please. Your greatest regrets and my greatest regrets are not because we didn't spend enough time in front of the mirror. That doesn't happen. We're not like, if I just would have spent some more time in front of the mirror. But every one of us today went and spent time in front of the mirror. But how much time do we spend time applying the Word of God to our lives? Not just standing in front of the mirror, not just standing in front of the Word of God because we read our Bibles or we go to church, we listen, we gather information, we gather insight, but then applying the Word of God to our daily lives. Next slide, please. Whoever looks, this is what James goes on and says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues into it. He says a really interesting word there. So looks, that's like our hearers, that's everyone who hears standing in front of the Word of God, into the perfect law that gives freedom. Freedom is what the Bible gives. Freedom is what Jesus came to give us. And when I studied the Bible and I became a Christian, I thought, you know, basically what God did is he said, let's take, I don't know, 
the ten funnest things and call those sin. Okay? I thought when I was a young Christian, I heard this great analogy. It says, uh, the, the, this guy that I heard, he, said, he was saying that he could have written the entire Bible on a note card. And it just said, no. No. Teens, the answer is no. You're like, practice self-control sexually? You're like, no. You, don't, you, you can't do anything. That's like, for a teenager, that's like putting shackles on. That's like putting you in a jail cell. You're like, honor God with my body and don't abuse my body with chemical substances. You're like, that's like, yeah, why don't you just throw me into the bottom of the ocean? But now that I'm older, I realize that that's what I want in my life. Now I've had more crashes. I've, I've crashed. I've seen people who's crashed. We know we have that brother who crashed. Or we had that father who crashed. A father who wasn't there. A father who left the home. A brother who wouldn't forgive his father and never forgave him. And they're still not talking to this day. We know what that's like. And we've seen that. Freedom, what Bible are you reading? That's what I would have asked you before I became a Christian. Next slide, please. Not forgetting what they've heard, but doing, doing, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. We need to be doers. We need to do something and we need to do it. And I have a solution of the way that's going to really help you, an idea that's going to help you to go and leave here, every one of us, to leave here and apply the word of God. Not just let it resonate, not just believe it, not just be convicted by it, but that we might be able to apply it. Next slide, please. What we do makes a difference. Next slide. We need to move out of rows and get into circles. Groups are what bridge the gap between information and application. This is the solution to everything I've been telling you so far. So if you didn't understand anything and I lost you because of my technical difficulties and, you know, all that, listen, all we need to do is this. I'm great that you're, that I'm really glad that you're here at church. I think that's wonderful. But what we need to do is move you out of rows and get you in circles. That once you stand in front of the Word of God, then you need to sit in a circle with people. That you need to be in a relationship that helps you. We have a personal Bible study series called The Core Four. If it's your first time here, there is someone here in your walk of life and probably near where you live that would be willing to do a Bible study with you to help you understand better personally what it means to be in a relationship with Christ. So our personal Bible study series is called the core four for you and for everyone else, for all of our members. We need to move out of rows and get into circles. Sometimes we forget the value of small groups. When we've been around church for a long time, we think it's about church. It's about it's about, you know, maybe the the church is trying to organize people. You know, what? it's not for me. It's not for our church. It's not for Peter. But it's for you to personally be able to apply something when you have a group of men and women around you. They're willing to really grapple with the things that you need to hear, that they're willing to look at the word of God and look at it and talk about it and help you to apply it to your life. Next slide, please. Bridging the gap between information and application. Small groups are what we need to be able to bridge the gap between information and application. Next slide. We need, if you heard the word, if you learned the word, if you believe the word, if you felt it deeply, that's great. But we need to go and apply the word to our lives. Next slide. 
What we do is what really makes a difference. What you do when you leave here with what I've told you today is what's going to make a difference. We have a small group that you can be a part of, whether you're a college student, a teenager, even our youth ministries. Need, we need to start plugging our children. I have three kids. Two of them are almost five years old, and they need to start understanding the value of being in one another relationships, being in small groups that help us. Next slide, please. Small groups is where change takes place. You know, many of you guys won't know, but there's a group called Barna, and it's a research group, and they do, like, Christian statistics and stuff like that, okay? And so in Barna's research, they've come to the conclusion that transformation does not happen in a large event like this. Transformation takes place in a personal relationship, or it takes place in small groups. That's where the big change takes place. Small groups is where change takes place. So you need to get involved in a small group. As we start this new ministry season, as we start this new year for college students, for high school students, for marriage, that we can be involved in small groups. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. You guys can, it'll help you change. It'll free you from bondage. It'll help you in your marriage. Next. It'll prevent you from future crashes. Next one. And potentially, it will be something that might help you to see your way to God more clearly. I want you guys to imagine if your parents had lived like this. Imagine if they had done that. Imagine if we had parents that had done this. That if your dad left the home when you were younger, that he would have had a group of men in his life that went out and went and grabbed him and said, Listen, what are you doing? Listen, we want to help you to look at the Word of God and apply this to your life. Imagine if we had parents that had gotten help in their marriage. Imagine if you had a mother that had been addicted to chemicals, but then they had, she had a group of women that helped her because they started seeing that in her life and they helped her to change. Imagine if we're all to apply this, how much it'll change our future and our kids' future. Next slide, please. This is an amazing idea and it wasn't mine. It wasn't Peter's. It wasn't our church's. You know, it, this is not a modern idea. This is really Jesus. It's something that has been discovered. It's been discovered. Jesus practiced this. It's something that's true, that we need small groups. The big idea is becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. Next. We need to listen, we need to learn, and we need to apply. In order to apply, we need to be getting in small groups. I want to challenge all of us here today to not leave here without knowing that we have a small group that we can become a part of. Please don't leave here without plugging yourself into a small group. Campus students, today I'm going to have a leadership meeting. I'm going to talk about small groups. I want to talk about what we're doing with our small groups. This is part of our fall plan because transformation is going to take place in the small group. Next slide. I want to leave you guys with that. Bridging the gap between information and application is going to happen in small groups. Right now I have a video about Mexico. And here we built a foundation. So it's awesome to be able to see the foundation building. So it does apply because we want to be wise builders and build a solid foundation but I hope that you guys can really see this video. It's about five minutes long and, and the orphans and what they've done, what we did interacting with the orphans and what we got to do building. I hope that our church can support more work like this. And I'm excited to go back down in November, hopefully, and scout it out. And I hope that we as a church can build a home for someone in La Misión, Mexico. Next slide.